Chapter Five of the Magic Mimics in Oz by Jack Snow. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five, Prisoners of the Mimics. High in the top of the tallest tower of the royal palace was the wizard's apartment. In this secluded spot, the little man kept his magical tools and apparatus and could work undisturbed for long hours over difficult feasts of magic. The morning after Ozma and Glinda had left, Dorothy had climbed the stairs to the wizard's quarters, and she and the wizard were deep in a discussion of matters of state. Two sides of the room they occupied were composed of tall French windows, rising from the floor to the ceiling and opening onto a spacious veranda. The windows were flung open to admit the refreshing breeze and the welcome sunlight. Suddenly, the air was filled with the flutter of powerful wings, and four large black-plumed birds settled on the veranda and stepped into the room. Glancing up in surprise at this sudden interruption, the wizard exclaimed with annoyance, "'Here, what's the meaning of this intrusion?' Since all birds and animals in the land of Oz possess the power of human speech, the wizard naturally addressed the birds as he would have spoken to human beings. But the birds made no reply. Instead, two of them stepped swiftly toward Dorothy and the wizard, who had risen in surprise and were standing beside their chairs. The two birds flung themselves on the shadows cast by the girl and the man. Instantly the birds vanished, and Dorothy and the wizard found themselves staring in amazement at exact duplicates of themselves. Sensing that he was confronted by some sort of evil magic, the wizard made an effort to reach his black bag of magic tools, which rested on a nearby table, but it was too late. Caught in the mimic spell, the little man was powerless to move. Dorothy's plight was the same. She could not so much as lift her little finger. All this happened in much less time than I have taken to tell it, and it was so sudden and unexpected that our friends had not even had time to cry out. Now the mimic form of Dorothy, speaking in Dorothy's own voice, said to the two remaining birds, Seize them, Mebo, and Stig, and see that my commands are fulfilled. One blackbird grasped the form of the helpless wizard, the other that of Dorothy. Then, flapping their powerful wings, the two birds passed through the windows and soared aloft, bearing their captives high into the heavens. Swiftly they left the Emerald City. In a few minutes, it was no more than a lovely jewel set in the farmlands around it. The birds headed southeast in the direction of the deadly desert. At times in their flight, when the captives were able to exchange glances, Dorothy read in the wizard's kindly eyes a mute expression of concern for his little comrade. The girl tried to reassure him, but it was difficult to look brave when she was unable to move even an eyelash, and besides, Dorothy had to admit to herself she didn't feel at all brave just now. In another minute, when Dorothy was gazing at the bird that was carrying her so swiftly through the air, 
she was startled to see the form of the creature shift and change. From a huge eagle-like bird, it changed to an enormous condor. Strange birds these were, Dorothy thought, which went about changing their shapes and stealing little girls and wizards. As they flew over the yellow land of the Winkies, the motion of the bird's body occasionally permitted Dorothy to look downward. Once she glimpsed, sparkling in the sunlight, the highly polished towers and minarets of a handsome tin castle. This, she knew, was the home of her old friend Nick Chopper, the tin woodman, emperor of the Winkies. Dorothy found herself wondering what the kind-hearted Nick Chopper would say if he could know that at this moment his dear friends were being carried high in the air over his castle, prisoners of two giant blackbirds. But there was no use speculating in this fashion. The tin woodman was powerless to aid them, even if he had known their plight. With a start, Dorothy realized that the birds had crossed the border of Oz and were now flying over the deadly desert. The fact that they had left the land of Oz behind them disturbed Dorothy greatly. Yet the little girl did not give way to fright. She had experienced so many strange and sometimes dangerous adventures in her lifetime that she had wisely learned never to despair. The journey over the desert seemed endless. Despite the great height at which the birds flew, Dorothy was beginning to feel faint and ill from the evil fumes of the sands by the time they reached the border of the land of the Fanfasms. However, once past the desert, she was revived by the fresh air. Where were these great birds taking them, and why? As Dorothy pondered, she noted a sharp mountain peak jutting suddenly out of the gray, grim land of desolate waste and stone that lay below. Straight for the mountain flew the birds. In a few more minutes they descended with their victims to the entrance of the mountain. Passing through the stone portal, the mimics retained their bird shapes, circling through the vast cavern of the hollow mountain. The caverns and corridors were deserted now that the sun was in the heavens, and the mimics had returned to their underground caverns to rest after the night of revelry. Stige and Ebo flew to a ledge of rock that jutted out from the mountain wall. Ebo muttered a magic word, and a rude stone door swung open, revealing a lightless cavern. Dorothy was thrust into the cave, and a moment later the wizard was deposited beside her in the darkness. Until now, Dorothy had entertained a vague hope that in some way the wizard's magic powers would come to their rescue. But since the little man had none of his magic tools with him, and could not speak to utter an incantation, nor move to make the motions of a charm, Dorothy realized that he was quite as powerless as she. End of chapter 5